A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Hurlman, sponsored by Starburst. This is Adrian Estala, VP and Field CDO at Starburst and host of Data Mesh TV. Starburst is the leading contributor to Trino, the open source project, and the Data Mesh for Dummies book that I co-wrote with Colleen Tarto and Andy Mott. To claim your free book, head over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Hurlman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Data Stacks, you know, thanks for all their help in founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introduction and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. Getting real about data product management in Data Mesh. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? I interviewed Franny Halfarouche, technical product manager slash data product manager at RBC Global Asset Management. To be clear, though, she was only representing her own views on this episode. So some key takeaways or thoughts from Franny's point of view. Number one, there's a difference between the product mindset and creating slash maintaining data products, but both are very important to exchanging value through data. We should be looking to apply the product mindset to all aspects of our data work, not just how it applies to data products and creating data products specifically. To do data product management well, number two, to do data product management well, you should look to software product management practices and recontextualize those to data. Many map well, but some don't. It's not a copy-paste, right? Think through what should be applied to data differently. Number three, the data product manager needs to serve as the bridge between data producers and consumers, making sure consumer requirements are satisfied, much like a software product manager where they are the bridge between software engineering and software users. Number four, if product management is the intersection of business, tech, and user experience, how should we think about that for data product management? Tech and business aspects, those are, use, are easy, but there isn't a user interface, a UI. So think of that UX, that user experience in terms of data fluency, access, and documentation. Number five, relatedly, documentation around data products is more important than traditional software products, 
because there really isn't that tangible UI for data products. Number six, data discovery platforms are very useful for data consumers because they are not only for discovering that data products exist, but they are also great for discovering information about the data products. They provide a good initial understanding of data products before digging in. Number seven, kind of relatedly, in Data Mesh, you shouldn't think of one single data platform to rule over everything. That's how you have a data discovery platform. Users care about capabilities and their workflows slash UX, their user experience, not about exactly how things are stitched together on the back end. Don't have 100 platforms, but also don't create a monolithic beast you can't evolve. Number eight, potentially controversial, product discovery, the act of discovering what products you should build, is crucial and often overlooked in the data product space. Many organizations are waiting for requests from consumers instead of data producers discovering what data products users might want. Scott, note here, this has been a really interesting back and forth when I talk to people because some people go out and say, would you want this data? Would you want this data? And people just say, sure, because they might be able to get use from it. And that's where you have to get good at driving to an actual use case. But you do need to spark those conversations. Number nine. While we should contextualize product management functions and needs to data product management, oftentimes the terminology gets all jumbled up. Be very explicit in defining terms to other stakeholders to prevent as much confusion as possible. But there still will be confusion, right? And and expect that and it's okay. Number 10, to help guide you in creating the right data product or products to serve a use case you really need to work closely with consumers. What are the day-to-day business problems of the use case? Then you can start work backwards towards creating the right data products to serve that use case. Number 11, make sure to dig into who will actually use a data product and how will it drive value for them. There are far too many business processes that are wildly inefficient or even unnecessary simply because people aren't asking or asking again those questions. Don't let your data product be inefficient. Be intentional in asking. Number 12, leverage the quote-unquote product trio concept from data for data product management. While you won't have a design lead, find someone that can still help to optimize the data user experience instead of the UI as you would with software. Again, that UX is data fluency, access, and documentation. Franny goes into what that all means more in the episode. I think it's really helpful. Number 13, use product management frameworks to deep dive into potential data users' actual challenges. Get specific so you can find points of leverage to improve the process. To actually drive value, you have to drill down. Number 14, a fast-fail culture or approach is crucial to getting the best value from data. Producers and consumers can quickly test what works and iterate towards better instead of making data work all or nothing. Failure in data has to be something we are okay with. Number 15, potentially the hardest aspect of data product management is defining success and the metrics to measure your success. Don't feel bad if you are struggling here too. It's okay to start with less than great metrics and iterate towards better. Finally, number 16, 
enabling self-serve for consumers of data products should fall on the platform rather than on the data product owner. If the platform isn't robust enough, you shouldn't make every data product manager build out those capabilities to make up for it. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Very, very excited for today's episode. I've got Franny Helforush here, who is the technical product manager and data product manager at RBC Global Asset Management. Um, but to be very clear, she is only representing her own views on this episode. And we're going to be talking about something that a lot of people are very, very uh, interested in, excited about, a little bit confused about. I think everybody is on this, which is just kind of the general topic of data product management. Like, how do we do this? How do we think about um, taking product management uh, skills and needs and and what we've learned from software, but also all sorts of other industries and apply those to actually doing this around data? And then we'll talk about like kind of new tools and responsibilities. How do we get people to this place where they need to be? How do we come to terms with kind of existing terms? There's a lot of kind of context around a lot of things that we need to know and just a whole lot of other things that we're going to get into. But uh, before we jump to that, Franny, if you don't mind, if you could give people a bit of an introduction to yourself and then we can jump into the conversation at hand. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, So I've started my career as software engineer and then move slowly to product manager role because I really like to interact with the customers, getting to know their problems, getting to know how they do their jobs and uh, lots of interaction with people uh, in general. Um, And then in both of those uh, areas that I had to deal with data a lot, so using them either as a developer or um, as a product manager, um, also using them to make some data-driven decisions. Um, so all of those experiences led me to my current role as technical product manager slash data product manager. Um, being from product um, word and also knowing the data make me an intersection of data and product, which makes this role challenging you know, and fun and rewarding at the same time. Um, so I'm really advocating data. Um, I'm really advocating product management in everything, like a product thinking um, and having the product mindset in everything, but especially for creating and maintaining and approaching data products, um, which is a really fun thing to do, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and I think that what you just said there as well is the difference between data as a product and a data product, like the the product mindset to everything is like, how do we think about the data product is a, you know, what uh, Jamat calls a, you know, unit of exchange of value. It's the, the end way that we actually communicate our data to each other, but it's not the only aspect. It's not just creating the data product as if that is the only output. You're like, what more do we need to do? What more, how can we share our information more? What do people actually want? 
like how do we manage that whole information sharing life cycle, I think is really important. So I think let's start with that, like product management, like how do we start to map that into the data space? What's, what's the same, what's different? Like, like when you're asking people, like, why are we doing this? Like what do what do you start to bring data people up to speed on this? Because this is a new concept for a lot of data people. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do constantly every day, mapping like a traditional product management to data product management. Because um, like I, I said, it's fun. Um, but at the same time, it's very interesting um, to make sure that it helps me in my day-to-day job and also helps my colleagues and everyone in uh, this new concept of data um, product management. Um, what I do is I get usually a definition that we usually have, like for example, okay, what is a data, uh, what is a product manager? So um, one of the definitions that we have um, out there is a product manager serves as a bridge between uh, software engineering and software users. Um, to make sure that the software satisfies the requirements of a user, like a simplified version of a product manager. So um, how we can um, flip this into data product manager, what I came up with is so a product, a data product manager serves as a bridge between producers, like data producers, and data consumers to make sure that data satisfies the requirements of the consumers. Um, at the same time, we can look at, um, you know, there's a diagram that uh, Martin Erickson has um, as a three circles, like a Venn diagram, that a product manager is intersection between tech, business, and a user experience, um, which is very clear because product manager is usually between um, technology and business a lot to make sure that they understand each other or translate the business needs and what a business problem is to tech people so they can provide the solution or they can build the solution and also a bridge between um, user experience and tech and user experience and business. But how we can map this one into data product manager management or yeah, the role of data product manager, how we can make sure that we do have all three elements in place correctly. Tech is easy because uh, we do have um, engineers, analytics, AI, ML, data science, data architects, um, all of those as um, in a tech area. And also business is a little bit more clear because we do have uh, business needs, buy-in, alignment from business. But when it comes to user experience or design or anything around user experience, that it's it changes because data products as a unit of data that we build and we want to meet our goals um, and in general, like a, the package of data together, that one does not have a user interface. So we really need to define some kind of user experience, for example, for that one, um, which um, I came up with this because we, if we um, define user experience as quality of users interaction with the system, then we can also define um, user ex- data user experience here as um, three categories, data fluency, access, and documentation. Um, access is 
the easiest one because when you create a data product, you need to give access to people. And that's the easiest one. So we need to make sure that uh, people have easy access, easy, easy way to request the access. People are approving the access, have easy easy way to do so. Um, for data fluency, if we want to define that, there are, there are lots of definitions for data fluency, of course. But if we want to define that as the ability to communicate inside with understanding the context and method used to process the information, then um, it comes down to who are the main actors of this data product? Who are the data stewards? Who are the data owners? Um, what data is available in general? Um, what business segment need the data or what business segment produce the data? Um, what is the ecosystem, platform, source of data, lineage? All of those, um, which all gathered together is the documentation of the data product, which is very, very important. I don't think in traditional product management, the documentation is as important because um, like I said, you have a tangible user interface that people go and see and touch and click on. But in data product, you really need to have a good documentation somewhere to make sure that people have um, all of those information um, somewhere to tell them how to use the data, where is the data, um, who owns it, what are the metadata around it, what is the source of data, how you can have access to, what is the purpose of having this data product, like the value it brings. Um, all of those at the same time, right? Because we define um, product to have four attributes, to deliver value, to be consumer focused, to be ongoing. So it's not a project, it's a product, it's ongoing. You just keep adding into, you keep maintaining it and it's outcome focused. So if you want to map all, also all of those to the data product, so you need to make sure that your data product deliver value. You need to make sure that you know why we're doing this, why we need to build this, who is going to use it. Um, it needs to be customer focused. So we need to really know the users, um, the consumers of those data, uh, why they need this. Like the why is always coming up. It's so important. And then we need to make sure that um, we maintain it. We need to iterate around those data product all the time to make sure that it goes and grows. Um, and of course, it outcomes focus because um, it's not an output. It's The data is never an output. Data is always outcome because you need something out of that data. You need some really value out of that data uh, or the data product because it needs to give you the value. Otherwise, it's just an asset out there. So I've got about 40 different questions that we could jump into from that. <laughs> but um, so I think uh, there are a couple of different ones that I'd like to get into, which was a lot of what you're talking about of the the user experience, right? That, um, you know, we had a, a, a panel on user experience, uh, had Alice Parker on specifically who did her um her master's thesis on user experience in data and like, uh, you know, user experience for whom there's the consumer, there's the producer, there's like that. So as a data product manager, you're focused on the user experience for the, the, um, consumer, right? Like you want your 
your people that are building stuff to have a good user experience, but you're, that's not really as much your role is <laughs> to be like building the user experience for the producer. Cause you're, you're on that, that team. But, um, how do you think about kind of like, uh, Xavier Gumara Ragol when he was on, he was at Adventa previously, and he was talking about, they have two sample notebooks for every single um, every single data product. They have kind of a beginner and an advanced. And so it's like, here is what the data product is, but here our documentation is not just documents. It, you know, there are some that are doing um, like four or five people or three people or whatever on the team are recording a five minute video about here is my concept of what this this data product is so you can understand the concept because there's the documentation about like what is the data product and what are the SLAs like what is this about the data product what were the transformations and then there's the documentation about what is the information contained what am I trying to convey to you so I, I would love to hear about how because the more I dig into documentation around data products, the more I find that everybody is super, super frustrated from especially the producer side, because this is very, very difficult. It's mm-hmm. not something that's easily conveyed, right? It It is like I am conveying this information via data itself. So like instead of me just telling you a couple of things, I have to do that in such a way that you can discover the same things, but also use it in ways that I didn't you know, conceive of and things like that. So I'd love to understand how are you working around with your team to get to good documentation or at least even okay documentation? Because what I'm finding is everybody is kind of at the starting line around this documentation, like that if you're doing okay, you're best in class. (laughs) Like it's not even that anybody's got good or great documentation yet. Um, I know it's all in the experimental level, I guess, for everyone, because everyone just starting to experiment. Okay, how about this? How about that? But the thing that I found most useful is the data discovery platforms. And the data discovery platforms are the platforms that either you can build it yourself or you can, you know, just, just go out there to see what are available in the market, but are the ones that you discover your data. And in this case, we want to discover our, our data products. So it usually has some kind of search engine as, as well that you just type in some kind of words or some kind of data sets, names if you know, and it gives you what is available. So the, the discovery platforms are the ones that give you um, all the information about the data product. Um, of course, someone needs to provide that, those, the, those information as well, right? So the they can be like on the data teams, they can be on governance teams, um, data management teams. I don't know like how the organization is set up specifically, but um, anyhow, those are the best to have, to gather the metadata information, to gather the lineage information, to gather the purpose of the data, like the value, the descriptions, the metrics around those, that anything, any information you want 
both data producers and data consumers to have. It really doesn't like, I, I agree that it can be defined, like the, the, the user experience can be defined for both producers and, and consumers. But at this point, it really doesn't matter who wants to use that as long as you have all the information in one place. Even for the access information, if your access is like AD group based, I don't know, like if your access is like admin panel based, however you want to give that information to people that this is how you want to request access. This is who is going to approve your access. Or is this even related? Like, do you really need this one? Is it is it really what you're looking for? Or you want to search more in, in that platform to find out, okay, maybe this is not for me. This one is for me. Um, and sample queries, like sample data, all of those can be in one place. And I found it so far that the discovery platforms are the best ones. Um, having said that, like about data discovery, I just realized that to mention that uh, the uh, dilemma that I have with the wording, so data discovery is different than product discovery, which is so confusing always. Um, there are a couple of terms in data and product that are always the same, but have the different meanings. One of them is this, because in product management, we always talk about product discovery, discovery of the um, problems, discovery of the opportunity, discovery of the needs. This is totally different than this one. Um, just the side note. Um, there are other terms like product owner, data owner, which is totally different. And that's why I keep referring to uh, the product management role as a product manager and not a product owner, which is a scrum um, term, which because it's so confusing with data owner. Data owners are different um, people in the team. Um, so we are product managers. They are data owners. Separate thing. <laughs> Well, yeah, or, or I mean, and they could potentially be the same, but in general, they're not. And like that, it's, uh, but yeah, and Jamak said, you know, the data product owner, I, I think, um, you know, Jamak has said data product owner is typically kind of the line of business owner, because they're the ones mm -hmm. who actually own the thing at the end of the day. Exactly. Um, Juanis Rosier has talked about splitting that into kind of the technical aspect owner, the concept owner, right? The SME kind of product owner, and then the actual line of business um, owner as well. And that you kind of split those into three different things where you go like, this person uh, really owns the the transformation logic and like the the kind of deep nitty gritty of of that but then you have somebody who actually owns the like what are we trying to share conceptually and so it, it does get difficult and i don't know that anybody is has come out and said you know i i've seen a couple of people who've said this is the way that it should be done um or this is the way we are doing it but like there isn't a ton of conversation around this like how does data product management actually work because it's it is what you're talking about like that that's the data as a product when you say product discovery like what should we be serving to people is not a conversation that comes up in data it just historically has been like we wait for requests and now we're mm -hmm. like okay if we're thinking of this as a unit of value exchange one do we get that value back like are we are we able to prove this value and that we get rewarded for that value because we should as producers and then how do we measure that value how do we do that stuff but it's also just like 
that there's so many of these things that get wrapped around the axle when you start to say, what is the exact terminology and how does this map from, from product management? How, how, how have you found like talking to users about this? Like this is a new concept, right? You're, you're talking about product discovery. You're talking about like, we need to serve users. Like how do you have that conversation and how do you have that conversation and then create something that isn't overly tied to their use case? Like, how do you abstract that away where you go, we're going to serve their use case, but we're going to make this something that other people could leverage as well? Um, so actually, that's a new concept, but it's a trendy concept. So I'm glad that everyone more or less hear about it. So it's they're not a strange, like no one is a stranger on a data product when you talk about that. Everyone keep hearing about them and they may not dived into the concept, but they know, okay, what this is about. Um, so talking to data producers is so easy. They know exactly um, how the data works, how they want to package the data, how that brings value. So it's so easy to get to the data produ- producers to get the discovery sessions with them. Um, with the consumers as well, is always um, easy because they, they know their problems. That's a good thing. So you can tell the users that you don't know what you have here. Like, okay, you need to do a little bit of a more um, extracting their needs out of the problems that they're explaining, but at least they know exactly what the problem is on their day-to-day job. They know exactly what they're talking about. So it's a very good thing that they uh, can guide you and form, um, for example, if you are doing a user interview which is a discovery session, a problem discovery session for the product manager role and a users that you go through some kind of interviews. Okay, explain to me how do you do this today? Um, what is exactly your process? What is the problem between, like in, along the lines of the a process that you're doing? Um, how would it be better if you had a magic wand, for example? How do you fix that or some some questions around those uh, like problem discovery and they exactly can guide you and walk you through okay this is what i'm doing today but i really prefer this way and or or this is not automated today and it really consumes my um hours of the day or however they want to describe their problems and then it's the product manager um responsibility to either um get um that use case exactly how they described or they want to offer more question about okay why why you do this why you do this um how about this way and how about that way and form their way of working and form their process a little bit to make sure that we both come together and find the best um solution um speaking of finding a solution um, there is some other terms in product management that I think Teresa Torres um, um, recommended, or I don't know if he if she came up with the term, but um, they call it product trio. And the product trio is three people come together to find the solution: product manager, technical lead, and product designer, to make sure that they build the right product and they build the product right. Um, in the data product management role, the 
product trio because we do not have a product designer. Uh, still consists of product manager and tech lead or head of data engineering or data engineering lead or however, like from representative from the tech. Um, instead of designer, we can put data scientist, data architecture, because they are the one actually designing the data product sometimes. And then all these three people together form a product trio or data product trio to make sure that they have the best solution. And if they all go to the users and talk to them, each one can bring something to the table. So the data engineering lead has lots of experience with how the data is formed today or with the pipeline or however they work today. And the data scientist and the data architect bring their own aspect of the solution to the table and the product manager with lots of experience with talking to the consumers and also um, user interview abilities and all of those experiences. And then on the other side sets the consumer and all of those together can really collaborate on a single solution or the opportunity. It really, sometimes it's not about a problem. It's the opportunity you want to create from the beginning. Like it's not a problem you're solving, but if there's a problem there, but no one is actually know that they have a problem. So there's an opportunity you bring to the table and then you bring something new to the table and people say, oh, okay, that's, that's how it solves my problem. So I think if all of those product trio be in a same meeting um, with the consumers, with the users, it goes way, way better than just the product management in my opinion. That was actually going to be a lot of my next question, which was like, how do you think about that kind of talking back to that product discovery and things like that? And I, and I want to circle back on data discovery as well, but product discovery and like chicken and egg of like, what is the genesis of a data product? Is it that or, or of a feature of a data product, a set of data or an aspect of your data product within that, that singular data product, whether you're thinking small data products or you're thinking more kind of aggregate or whatever, are you going and asking people, would this be useful for you? Because like the, the, the question comes from, I, I bring up a lot the Pat Helland piece of data on the inside, data on the outside, right? Data on the inside is the data that's only useful to the domain itself for running the domain. And that can also be, you know, kind of the analytical information and things like that. Data on the outside is the stuff that should be shared, not necessarily is shared. But like we're moving that there's like data on the threshold where you're not sure, would this be useful or what would actually be useful? And so having those conversations with potential consumers, and I've talked about data product marketing and things like that internally, um, but I haven't seen anybody that's really doing it. And I think that's a, a crucial part of product management. Um, but I don't see that we're, we're doing it very often on the, the data and analytics space. So like it sounds like you're you're heading down that somewhat. Like if you could share a little bit about like how do you actually have those conversations? How do you create a space where you can exchange with people and you're like, would you want this? And they don't just go, yeah, yeah, give us all the data. Give us everything you can versus like what's actually going to be useful. And we can kind of tie that into like the SLAs and like what people are actually wanting and things like that. But like 
historically in data, it's people have been in such a rush to get access because it was so hard to get access to data. So if you gave anybody access, they were like, yes, yes, give me this access. And so like now that they can have more persistent and, and scalable and better access, like how do you have that conversation? How do you drive towards what's actually going to be valuable instead of kitchen sink of, yeah, we want these 87 things. You tell me I can, I, I can get whatever I want. I'm going to ask for 87 things, even though 95% of the value is driven by one, two, and six on my list. Um, there are tons of ways to do this, but if we put everything into some form of frameworks, um, that brings structure and visualization to the process, then it's so much easier to talk about. So, for example, if you go to each domain owner and talk about, okay, well, tell me about your problems, there are usually lists of problems. But if you also go with a framework, like, for example, um, the value proposition, design or value proposition framework that is actually a visualization form of framework that has some kind of mapping on the uh, either um, like a virtual board or actual if you're in the office like the actual board or on a paper or on a um, like powerpoint slide or however you actually want to put some ideas down there then people will be able to break down the problem for you and then get something tangible out of it, some, something valuable out of it. Or if you just talk about the metrics, okay, what is it that you're actually looking for in terms of metrics? You want to have like some kind of financial impacts or this is the value to organization or user satisfaction or um, reducing the time. Lots of requests that people are, have is, I really need you to reduce my time and this because or automate this for me or package this for me because I really gather this data or this information that I put on a report, for example, from a thousand source of data. And I need to get this and this and this and this, and it's really time consuming. So I have an actual metrics in mind that I really want to get down my times of spending on this from two hours to two minutes or however you want to define your metrics, right? Or there's a financial impact that if I do this, um, it will bring me this percentage of um, like benefit or however. Um, I, I really don't want to go into the specific like example because it can be anything. Um, but my and user satisfaction. So I'm, I'm really not happy with using this because it's hard for me to get the data out. I don't have um, very good technical knowledge to query this database. So I really want me to give, want you to give me some packaging with an API that I just hit and run. Um, or I want you to give me self serve a data platform because this is really not um really not working in a scale for me. So if you give me a self-serve data platform, which Jean-Marc is always talking about as well, which is a principle of a data mesh, um, which um, scale and sharing and accessing um, data for everyone, 
Um, so people just come to you with more and more ideas and information if you break them down in some kind of framework, in some kind of visualization, um, or um, if they put thousands or 10, for example, problems on the table and just you pick one and you go deep down, dive into that one and say, okay, just talk uh, to me about this one. How is your, one of the methods that you do design thinking is just you ask people to walk you through their day-to-day job. Okay, talk to me. How do you exactly use this data? What do you exactly do? What is the query you're using? What is the tools you're using? Like, um, who are the people involved? And when you talk you through, like, step by step, then in each step, you really can extract something out. Okay, maybe in this area, we can do this. We can do the automation. In this area, we can give you this data product. In this area, you just need documentation. You already have whatever it's there, but you don't know how that exists. And that happens a lot. Like People don't know that data product exists because the documentation is not good. Or people don't know that this self-serve platform is exists because it, the adoption was a little bit not good enough. Um, so there are, there are like tons of different ways. I know I didn't give a specific answer, but there are lots of things to go through. Well, and, and I think that's the, the, the thing that keeps coming through for me is even that last point that you're making of a lot of this is unsolved territory, right? Or we're, we're figuring out how to do this. And right now we're not very good at it and that's okay because we're driving significant value while not being very good at it. So imagine what we can do when we get very good at it. Imagine that value. And you know, there are people who go, well, I want to wait until we're, we're, we know exactly how to do this before I can drive to that value. And it's like, okay, fine. You, you're going to sit on the sideline. That's okay. That's, that's a valid choice. But there's a lot of people out there that are like, no, I want to get to there now. And so I think one, you know, we, we kind of had a, a bunch of different things that we, we had planned on potentially talking about, but I would love to drive down to that, like, how do you have that conversation around what's actually going to drive value, right? And we can talk about how that narrows in on what your SLAs are and how do you actually have that conversation, but like, how do you extract from people who historically have just been like, please just give me the day, the you know, they've said, please just give me the data. Khan Chow, when he was on, which I think was like episode 38 or something like that, he was talking about at Northern Trust, they launched data services and the consumers were actually relatively happy. And it was, but they had this huge total cost of ownership because they had to do all of this um, uh, data cleansing and things like that. So they couldn't really get the lot, a lot of the value out of it. And so as soon as they went to data mesh, they pushed those additional transformations, that additional cleaning, that additional, all that stuff upstream. So that was part of the product because that's what a product is. Instead of just, we're providing you access to data, we're providing you access to what you need to get your work done, right? That's the difference between kind of that project or that data service and that data product. So Mm -hmm. like having that conversation around What's actually going to be a value? Because people are just like, give us everything that we can and we'll sort through it. And it's like, well, I as a producer and am am guaranteeing a level of quality. So no, 
because then I'm just doing all of this work that might not be of value. So let's actually have that collaborative negotiation, that friendly negotiation of like, what's actually going to drive to value? What can we get to quickly? And then also iterate and like that, that iteration process too of like, is this what you mean? No. Okay. Let's go back to the drawing board or, okay, this is close. And like, I, I just would love to hear about that process. And I know I'm going on and on, but like, mm-hmm. there's so many of these aspects that haven't been talked about pretty much anywhere. So the more that we can have that, the the better for, for folks, because everybody's kind of lost as to where to even start there. So one of the methods that you, simple, you use is asking why. Give me all of those data, why you need this data, why you need to have access to all of those, for example, versus just these, these two data sets. Um, because I need to send this report to this person and this person and this leadership and this leadership. Okay, what is this report is used for? What what do they, how, how often they use it? Why do, do they need it? Because of this and this and that. Okay, why they use this um, instead of this? Why don't they, for example, um, use this one? So one of the, for example, things that um, also gives you encouraging people using the self-serve platform is asking why you're sending data to them instead of they coming to your platform and extracting the data in an ad hoc basis, for example, which sometimes is the solution. Sometimes it's as simple as that. So asking, keep asking why, um, while showing empathy, which is very important because you don't want to just throw people off and, and just tell them, no, you can't have this or you're wrong at this. No, people are all, probably always right, but there are better ways to do this. And so while showing empathy and passion, but asking why all the time, using design uh, thinking techniques, um, understanding exactly who are the users. So sometimes people are coming to you and say, okay, I need all of these data because of all of these reports, because we need to this this, um, um, for example, three times a month or once a month or quarterly or in a week or however with the cadence, then um, you keep asking, okay, who will benefit from this? Why are you creating this? Who are your end users? You are producers or even your team is producers, but um, and you think these are your consumers, but who are the actual end user. So maybe you send this report to 100 people, but actually two of them are actually interested in this. Um, so we can narrow those down um, to understanding the users and then extracting the actual needs with all of those frameworks and process, um, design thinking, impact and mapping, user interview, discovery session, understanding the why the use cases, uh, what they do now, what is it better if they do like this or it's not, or what are the metrics in the cellies they go. And then you solutionize this and then you prototype this, getting the data product out in front of a small number of users and test and get the feedback out and open tons of communication channels to get the feedback as soon as possible. The concept of fail fast is actually really useful thing to make sure that, okay, you're failing fast rather than later than the 
you know, spent lots of time and energy and money that you realize down the line that you're failing rather than just failing fast and then you pivot and then you just give them another thing. So experimenting a little bit with them to make sure we both have the good understanding because we as a product management team, as a product trio, as a data team, we need to understand the problem, but they also need to understand exactly what their problem is because they can explain, okay, this is my day-to-day problem. But maybe that's not the root cause. Maybe that's like, keep asking why, keep asking what are the users, what are the, um, how we want to use this, what are the metrics around this. Then then together, um, we really get the value out usually. Um, I never seen that it goes into the loop and it goes never. It, it, it's never like this. It stops at some point. So we get to the mutual understanding of, oh, okay, that's where the value is. Or, or that's where the most value is. And we're going to iterate on these other aspects yeah. as we drive to that. But yeah, like the, the example I use is say, you know, that you're going to have to go a hundred miles and you think that you're going to go Northeast and you go, if you go a hundred miles and then found you had to go a hundred miles Northwest, that's, you know, the square root of, uh, of two times a hundred. So it's another 140 miles to get over to that hundred miles as if you had gone to the Northwest instead of if you go five miles and then you find out that that's not where you need to go. You need to be going northwest. You go across, and then you know that's an extra seven miles. So one's two hundred and forty-one miles, and one's one hundred and twelve miles. So like, which is okay. That's one of the concepts of product management. Failing is okay. Pivoting is okay, but you need to get them fast so you don't really just lose anything during the way. But it's how you learn and how you just get um, things out that brings value. Um, so expect to iterate thousands of times, expect to repeat. Um, like I said, like prototyping if possible, if not publishing it, but still with a small amount of number of users so they can test and get you feedback and just you just improve and improve and you know, and then at the end you have your final um, product in a good shape, then you publish it out there and then you iterate again and again always well and i almost think of, uh, do we have to start calling it something other than failing in data because data <laughs> failures have been catastrophic because it we haven't contained our blast radius yes now that's just expression uh, no for data you shouldn't fail <laughs> but but it, it but it is the same concept of like getting to something that's not right but is directionally right is of value and but historically it's been data is either right or it's wrong and we need to get people to how right is this data like how much can we trust it and how can we do that i'd I'd love to hear like how you actually like if you can give an example you know a theoretical example or anything like that you don't have to go overly specific but of like how do you start to extract that sla like how do you actually have that conversation around the data quality isn't good enough. What does that mean? Like, what do we drive to? What do you need? Is it just that it is so specific? Like you just keep asking, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean until they tell you? Or like, how do you actually have that conversation? Because that's where I think the most people are, are the most frustrated in this, in this conversation of trying to get producers and consumers to actually communicate 
is they just keep talking past each other. So like any example of SLA would be really good. That's honestly the hardest part to figure out exactly how you want to define your success and how you want to define the metrics around it. And also one, the other hardest part of this is how you want to measure those because there are not always ways that is already built in to track those metrics. So you say, okay, I really need um, this data product to bring this value to me. Um, And then you, yes, you keep asking why and why, and you keep asking, okay, who are the users? Who is the actual um, end users are going to use it? Um, And what do you really want to get out of this as a, like financial, as a usage, as a satisfaction, as a speed. I want this, the, the query to be run, you know, faster, like 50% of the time faster. I don't like however you want to just put some numbers to it, but how do you want to measure that? Because you really need to build, have built-in tools to measure those. You really need, I want user satisfaction and I want the adoption of this data product to be high. Like I want like 70% of the users that are using this actually be satisfied. Or I really want to have new users every month. How do you want to track that? Because for the product that you have user interface, there are tons of analytics product out there that you just install and they track it for you. But for those data products, you really need to build in something. So of course, there are platforms like visual, uh, virtualization platforms or um, cloud sharing or however platform you want to use as your data platforms. They have some kind of metrics to follow or to show you, but not specific things that you want. And this is one of the challenges that I've seen a lot that ha- even if you define them, tracking them is another story. Well, and it sounds like you're even talking success metrics around the data product versus what are the SLAs that the customers are like the consumers are asking for. Because at least from my perspective, you you want a global team to define as many of the measurements, the ways that things are measured, not the actual saying this will have a 99, you know, everything has to have a 99.99% completeness, but like, this is how completeness is measured. So that way, when I go from data product A to data product B to data product Z, I don't have to learn a new framework for how their SLAs are measured. Like this is something Pink Shu talked about when even measuring value about like creating a framework for how, how are you even saying that this is how the things will be measured rather than this is this is exactly what value is defined as it's like what is good defined as we don't care as the central team we don't care what good data quality is we care what good enough data quality is like what's of value because if completeness isn't actually a value but timeliness is the thing that really matters that's one data product but for another like regulatory reporting 
accuracy is probably the (laughs) thing that really, really matters. And that timeliness isn't that huge because you're not like, I need to report this on an hourly basis. But sometimes there are stuff that you need to like for value at risk reporting and stuff like that and financial services, where you do have to report your daily kind of book stuff every day. And so you do need to be able to have that by a certain period of time. So it's kind of that, that definition, but like, are you finding that customers, that consumers are willing to work with you rather than just give me everything that, that you can, or are you feeling that they're actually, once you lean into the conversation of, we want to serve you what you actually need instead of just push data at you, are they leaning into that conversation to actually have that conversation back? So I think that's been a big worry for folks. Um, yeah, so I've been lucky to have everyone around me very um, collaborative and very understanding of, okay, this is what we can do at this point, and this is what we really want to get there, but we are not there yet. Um, so um, with uh, all of those metrics, uh, we really try to get them out there as as they are available. But when they are not available, then that will go into the backlog. That will get built at some point. But there are always lots of things in the backlog that has higher priority than just measuring, okay, who is using this data set or what are the daily usage percentage, what are the monthly usage percentage or um, other metrics that you want to define. But um, usually I do see that building out how you want to track metrics get deprioritized because there are lots of other things that has higher priority um, out there. So um, people are um, understanding about this, but I really think that this is important thing to do. And, and, and I believe that lots of observability platforms and even discovery platforms are building this in because they see more and more that this is what we really need in data product management. Um, like I said, um, tools and, and platforms are very important um, to get really what you need from the product management, even like a traditional like digital product management. There are, like I said, t- tons of analytics tools. Um, why? Because this is the most important thing that you have in hand to show that your product is successful. So that goes same to the data products. You really need to build lots of tools around this to show that these are successful or not. Well, and that's the SLAs kind of to data product owners and like that, like you're showing a value. But when we think about to consumers and they say, this is what I need, how like, are you finding that the observability tooling is helping you to show like, we are hitting this percent of completeness, or we are hitting this percent of accuracy. Are you finding that that conversation yes. goes well? Like, because that's that to me is is trust. Yeah, especially on the data quality, completeness, approval, all of those things that you actually need to show the consumer. Okay, this is where we are with this data. Um, those those are really helpful, and I I, I see them really satisfied with anything that you can provide at that point. That's that's great because it's just been, that's been one of the big questions. It's like, how do we show this thing to people when historically it's just been, 
the data quality isn't good enough or the data quality is good enough. And it's like, no, we need to get specific on it. And here's how I can show you, you can trust this or how far can you trust this, right? If you do need it, five nines of accuracy, this data product that's that's optimized for um, latency and definitely not optimized for accuracy, it's not going to serve your need. So we can have that discussion. Do we need to create something else? Do we need to do whatever? But like, you know, that, that's been one of my big things around reuse too, of, of everybody's trying to say, we should serve everybody's needs from the same data product. And it's like, you're, you're missing the whole point of a product. A product <laughs> is to serve a specific, you know, basket of use cases. We want to have reuse, but at the same point, if something is completely not usable for somebody else's use case, then you find something that is, or you say that use case is just not worth the cost. I've seen both. I've seen both data products that are just specifically designed for a specific use case and also a little bit more generalized one that cover lots of use cases. I think it depends on really how um, the consumers wants to use the data. But one of the things that I've seen in the data discovery platforms or even however um, data documentation platform, let's call them, you want to document your data product, those uh, metrics is a huge part of it. Like the data quality, completeness, all of those needs to be in the documentation for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, to me, that's how we actually drive trust, where you go, this is how much you can trust it. Not, ours has high quality. It's like, what does this actually mean? And then you go, mm-hmm. is this going to fit my use case? Like, so we, well, one thing we were planning on on talking about was around like new tools and responsibilities and like all of this. Like, I'd love to hear, you know, on as the data product manager side, like on the producer side, but also on the consumer side, like what are you finding that you need consumers to, to be able to up their capability level while we're lowering the the requirement to be able to interact with data as a producer, you know, we're, we're making it easier to interact with data. We're, we're making it easier to share that information, but like on the consumer side as well, like how do you think about what are the new responsibilities? Like one thing I, I talk about is um, the, the show, the good place where there's a whole thing about like, what do we owe each other? And like, I think that's, that's a big concept in data mesh and or data in general, but especially data mesh of like, what do we owe each other so that we can both like step up and actually have a conversation and exchange information in an appropriate and scalable way? Um, so there are lots of things that we owe each other. One of the most useful things that I find is self-serve data platforms, believe it or not, because it gives the consumers, uh, because it's self-serve, so um, it gives the consumer a feel of safety, a feel of, oh, I'm able to do this on my own. I don't need anyone. But for them to get there, that they don't need the data team to do so, you really need to provide them the tool. And that's the huge journey on its own. So that's why sometimes called... Um, the data, also like a data platform, part of a data product management. And that's the easiest part because that has an actual tangible um, result, tangible platform that you get um, sense of um, visualization, user interface, anything. 
and you really need to make it right. You need, need to make exactly how they want to interact with that self-serve to make sure that they can do it themselves and not just hanging on uh, the data team or the, the engineers or the tech team um, to give them the ability to self-serve and then they just go on and um, explore themselves what they need and maybe they're satisfied with the result. And if not, they come back to you and say, okay, I need this and this and this on your platform. And then you put them out there again and they just go and experiment and come back. So that the culture of experimentation as well is a part of it. I don't know if that answers your questions fully, but that's what it came to my mind. I, I think the the problem with data mesh is nobody can answer any question fully at this point, right? <laughs> like you're just... But like what one thing you said in there actually did trigger a, a really, I think a, a really interesting point to potentially wrap up on, which is as a data product manager, you're collaborating with the producers to serve the consumers. So like, how are you working with your team to kind of work with the product manager of the platform? Right. The, the platform is, is its own product or the set of platforms, right? You, I, I, uh, I'm writing a companion to Jabak's book, and um, literally, I, I put in the thing of you should think of the word as platform as pl- being plural. Anytime it says self serve <laughs> exactly. platform, it, it's a set of capabilities that can be in multiple it's platforms and things. But how how do you think about like extracting your team's needs and pushing that up to the platform team? to then serve these these customers' needs. Because I do think that is part of the, the thing of going, hey, I get these users need this thing, but I can't even serve it right now, or I have to do this thing super manually. So like, how are you having that conversation? How are, are they coming to you and extracting it from you? Are you going to them and, and broadcasting it to them? Like, how, how is that working? And like, what, what, what capabilities have you found that maybe were a surprise that you said, I didn't think we'd need this or this this has turned out to be the most crucial aspect. So you know how my title is technical product manager slash data product manager? The technical yeah. product manager role is exactly why I it's because I work on the data platform as well. Oh, okay. So that's that's part of my so let me tell you from the other side. Like when you are working on a data platform, how do you interact with um, the data product managers, the other data product managers. So it's usually, my experience is from the platform to, like, to the data product managers, not vice versa. So the data platform team has their own roadmap. They know exactly out of all of the long data discovery, product discovery, problem discovery sessions that they had um, from each group that they need lots of self-serve capabilities, lots of tools. Like you said, it's a hub. It's not a platform. It's just a couple of lots of products together uh, serving one purpose. But at the same time, they are really individual um, tools or platforms all together serving as a hub. Um, that, from that platform roadmap, you actually know what type of data product you need underlying your platform or how you want to 
access all of those underlying data or how you want to pull or push what is the mechanism that you want in this because of the different tools use different mechanisms sometimes it's pull sometimes push um, how you want to interact with those data and then you go to the data product managers and say okay as part of our dependencies put that in your backlog we have it on on our backlog let's just collaborate together create this use the result in our platform so we can do the self-serve um, that's actually the right way from the platform to the data, not the other way. Because data product managers, uh, they don't know necessarily if you don't, if they don't do like continuous discovery, they don't know what you need. So if you know what you need exactly and you're still kind of in the same team, so we just go to them easily. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of great that you're bridging both of those. But yeah, I know a lot of people are trying to because a, a lot of people, when they start out on their platform, they think that it's going to be all about the um, the processing capabilities. And a lot of times it's like, they don't really care as long as it meets the needs of, of like what you're using. And I know tech people want to tech and they want to be like, okay, but this is, you know, oh, but this has Spark. And it's like, well, the the product manager doesn't care, right? They care about, does this meet my needs versus what's the tech in it? And so, yeah, I think that's, um, it, we've seen that a lot of people are much more on kind of what you were talking about you, earlier about like user experience for the data producers as well as the data consumers are the things that matter. It's not, and so you want to make sure that you have the capabilities that people need, but you want to make it so that it's, not a horrible experience. <laughs> and that that can be, um, I think it was um, Katie Bauer was talking about the metrics around usage can be completely dichotomy, right? Because it can be, how long does it take for someone to actually do this? Like we want to minimize the amount of time that people are spending on uh, working with the platform that, you know, that they, they hit the platform, like, 10 times a day, but each time it's for like a five minute interval because they're just getting something done versus, you know, really, really having a really deep interaction. So somebody that maybe is on a consumer side, you want them having like a two hour interaction and that they're constantly moving around and constantly clicking and that that's a positive experience. It's not that they're searching and doing all that, but it's like, it's very difficult to understand how you actually measure that and what what are the the optimizations and everybody kind of starts with terrible kpis and terrible things of we just are trying to figure you know like the uh the kpi of we're maximizing for number of users for this data product and it's like but what about the value that they drive from it like is there actually value and how do we drive to that but at first you start with the bad metrics but anyway um I, I feel like we could talk for another, uh, you know, hour plus, but uh, is there anything we didn't cover that you'd really like to, or any way you'd kind of want to wrap up the episode when you kind of think about uh, kind of everything we've talked about here? Um, I think we covered a lot. The only thing that I wanted to add to the last piece of conversation that we had is back to the product trio. Um it depends on how you structure your organization, but if even if the product managers are handling um, small part of 
um, either the platform or the data set or however they want to just manage the squad or pause um, like this structure wise, but you need to have the others, like specifically the data scientists and your um, data engineer lead or, or tech lead horizontally on top of everything. So you will be aligned with every other aspects that are working. So if you're just working on a small part of the platform, um, the others are horizontally aligned with the other part of the platform or other data products that are being created or and being used or other part of um, the data sharing, if it's a cloud or a virtual layer or um, you know whatever you're working with technically, if you have the horizontal roles as well as the product managers in each section, then that's the best result I guess you can get out of just creating all of those data products, data platforms, self-serve platforms, um, because that's how you get the best value out of everything. So you had the product trio, you had the product team, and you have um, everyone in um, domain owners, data owners, producers, consumers. Um, that's the only thing I wanted to add to the last piece that we discussed. Yeah, it's 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 all it, right now. Everybody's just trying to figure out how do we do this in data mesh? How do we do distributed data? How do we how do we think through that? So I think that kind of commentary is always very helpful. Well, I'm sure there would be lots and lots of people that would love to follow up with you. Is there any particular place that you want people doing that? Anything specific you'd like people kind of following up about? Um, no, I'm on LinkedIn. Franny Helferosh, um, message me if you have anything um, you want to discuss, if you have any interesting findings, um, any ways of working in pro data product management, because it's all new, it's all fun and interesting. Um, I'll always there to answer or collaborate or just talk. That's just, just for my own benefits, just interesting topic always. Yeah. And well, and we'll drop a, a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes as well to make people it, it easy for people to find you. Well, Franny, this has been such a, a great conversation. So thank you so much for spending the time here with me. And as well, thank you everyone out there for listening. Thanks for having me. I'd again like to thank my guest today, Franny Helferouche, who's the technical product manager slash data product manager at RBC Global Asset Management. You can find a link to her LinkedIn and a post on the product trio concept she mentioned in the show notes as per usual. Thank you. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left Data Stacks, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started. So give them a shout for streaming and real time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information as a service firm. Our offerings are affordable and you can do them on a one off or a month to month basis. You know, read kind of Throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, 
you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest. You know, what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well and have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music.